TII item 372, 11.11.2015, iOS 9.2 beta 3, and the iPad Pro is available to order. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Golly! Oh, yeah! My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of who I am. This episode of Today in iOS is brought to you by Harry's.com, where you can use promo code TII to save $5 off your first order. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is the Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Phil for sending in the music you hear in the background. Phil wrote, Hi, Rob, this song called Certitude was all created with GarageBand on an iPhone and exported directly. No other software or hardware was used. This is not available for sale anywhere. Just a hobby thing. Regards, Phil W. Well, thanks, Phil, for the music. And folks, I will put the full song at the end of the episode. Also want to thank Nick for sending in the artwork for today's show. Nick wrote the following. Hi, Rob. The picture was taken with an iPhone 6, 64 gig, running iOS 9. The result was cropped to a square with photos, and the TII branding was added with Pixelmator. Regards, Nick Tambori. Thanks, Nick, for sending in this artwork. And folks, you can see Nick's artwork in the free TI app via the bonus button for episode 372 or at Instagram.com slash Today in iOS. And also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at Facebook.com slash Today in iOS. If you have some artwork and or music you have created on your iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email it to me at todayinios at gmail.com. And please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, The following are three reasons the new iPad, third generation, will be dead on arrival. D-O-A. One, new iPad cannot compete with the Kindle Fire and BlackBerry Playbook. Two, new iPad is thicker and heavier. Three, new iPad nearly identical to iPad 2. Unquote. Michael Lee, The Gadget Masters, 11th of March, 2012. How DOA was the third-gen iPad? Hmm, well, it was DOA to the tune of 53.9 million units in 2012 alone. Heck, the DOA iPad third-gen is still fought over by my two sons every day they are allowed electronics. And it's almost four years old. Just saying. Sadly, no new promo codes this week. Bad marketer are you if you haven't paid app and did not send in the promo code. Same if you have a paid iBook and have not sent them in. Shame on you. A quick reminder, if you are an app dev or an iBook author, email me if you want your app or iBook featured in the promo giveaway segment for free. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Just email me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please include a 60-second or less audio review of your app or iBook, indicating you are the dev or the author. Also, when you send in the promo codes, please make sure to let me know when they expire. And if English isn't your first language or your native language, you don't feel comfortable talking, you can always send in a script and I'll read it. Apple's making it really easy for me to pick titles for these episodes as they are turning out new versions of iOS 9.2 beta each week. This week it was iOS 9.2 beta 3. Initial reports on the third beta are it squashes the bugs, man. One of which was with the app switcher. This one is available to both devs and public beta testers. 
if this beta sounds pretty light on new features, that is not surprising. It is usually in the first and second betas that we see the new features added or removed. A lot of times we'll see something added to beta one and remove a beta two. I guess Apple's just doing some sort of testing to see how the public reacts. In the first two betas for 9.2, we saw uh, AT&T's new number sync feature added and changes to embed, embedded Safari browsers, which allows them to load extensions. Plus, there was also Arabic language support added for Siri. Again, not a lot to the 9.2. Seems to be mostly about bug fixes and optimization. Maybe there's some hidden features in there that are going to be used for the iPad Pro. Well, maybe, maybe, just wild speculation. Maybe we'll find out some more when the iPad Pro comes out here later, and we'll get to that in a few minutes. The first update is already out for Apple TV with tvOS 9.0.1 being made available. If you have automatic updates turned on, it will automatically download. Most people, most Apple TV users will have automatic updates enabled. If you don't have it enabled, to manually get the new update on your Apple TV, go to Settings, System, Software Updates, and uh, you will see it there. Support for Bluetooth keyboards and Apple's remote app is still not available. If you are a dev, tvOS 9.1 Beta 2 is also now available. You will need a USB to USB Type-C cable, so that's the USB-A to USB Type-C cable, and will need to connect the Apple TV to your computer to install the beta update. Previous notes on the tvOS 9.1 Beta indicate improvements in Wi-Fi compatibility, in-app purchases for App Store apps, improved scrolling, and Siri is enabled to work with Apple Music. Again, no indication of support for the remote app or for Bluetooth keyboards. I did go and check my Apple TV 4th Gen. I had automatic updates on, but it had not actually updated. So I actually had to manually go through, go to settings, system software updates, and request it to update. Even though it was saying automatic updates on, it was still at 9.0. I hadn't updated to 9.0.1. Now, this is interesting. Before it had updated to 9.0.1, when I went to the Apps app, it was showing no longer the completely horizontal um, search key, how they had the keyboard or the key, or the, the letters, the alphabet stretched out. It had gone back to more of a grid pattern like it used to be. So the Apple App Store search had already changed. But then the main search, when you go to the main search, in, in the, the Apple TV 4th Gen, that was still the horizontal one. So strange there. But again, even though you most people are going to have Apple TV automatic updates turned on, you may want to go in anyway into settings, system, software updates, and check to see if an update's available and manually update. Maybe Apple doesn't want all of their Apple TVs hitting at once. Not sure why mine didn't update it after two days um, being available for that update. So again, at least for me, it hadn't updated and I had to do it manually. And okay, now I finished the update to 9.0.1 on my Apple TV and I cannot get back the grid pattern keyboard that was up there in search in the App Store. I'm not hallucinating. I swear it was there. It really was there. After upgrading, I've tried every key combination I possibly could. I've looked through it. If anyone can figure out how to get 
the grid pattern for the keyboard. Now it only was showing, when I looked at it, it was only showing under search for the app store or the in the app store for on the Apple TV. It wasn't showing the regular main search. It was just the app store search. For some reason it was there in 9.0. When I upgraded to 9.0.1, it was gone. And I hadn't seen it before. I don't know if I had done something special, what had happened, or if I really am just hallucinating, but it was there. I, I really swear, I'm not hallucinating. And one thing I can also confirm now, 9.0.1 does not support Bluetooth keyboards. I tried with a couple different Bluetooth keyboards. It would not recognize any of them. Apple put out a press release on Monday, the 9th of November, titled Epic 12.9-inch iPad Pro available to order online Wednesday and arrives in stores later this week. If you have the TII app and push notifications enabled, you would have received that push notifying you of that PR on Monday. The subtitle of the press release is, quote, iPad Pro arrives in over 40 countries, including the US, UK, China, and Japan, unquote. The over 40 countries include Anguilla, Antigua and Barbada, Australia, Austria, Belgium, Berserkistan, Canada, Cayman Islands, China, Czech Republic, Denmark, Albania, El Salvador, Finland, France, Germany, Gibraltar, Greenland, Guatemala, Hong Kong, Hungary, Ireland, Isle of Man, Italy, Japan, Liechtenstein, Lower Slobovia, Luxembourg, Malaysia, Mexico, Monaco, Netherlands, New Zealand, Norway, Poland, Portugal, Puerto Rico, Russia, Singapore, Slovenia, Spain, Sweden, Switzerland, Thailand, Trinidad and Tobago, Turkey, UAE, US, UK, Uruguay, and US Virgin Islands. It will be available in Apple stores on Friday the 13th, as well as at select carriers and Apple authorized resellers. The Apple Pencil and Apple Smart Keyboard will also be available, quote, at the same time. We'll talk about that in a minute. The iPad Pro was available to order starting around... Well, it was around 2.15 a.m. on the 11th. I was hoping for it to be available, at, and that's Central Time. I was hoping for it to be available at 12.01 a.m. Pacific Time, 2.01 a.m. Central Time, but that was not the case. Again, it was actually around 2.15 a.m. Central Time, and I happened to guess right on the URL where it would be, and that is apple.com slash shop slash buy dash iPad slash iPad dash pro since iPad-Air is, is the other one. So I was like, well, maybe it'll be there. And I checked there, and, and it was there before it was actually available on the App Store app, or Apple Store app. Um, and I actually had my order done online prior to it being available on, in the Apple Store app or being linked to online. Ha! I did order my iPad Pro 128 gig version Wi-Fi and cellular gold version along with the Apple Pencil and the Apple Smart Keyboard. Delivery is supposed to be on the 13th before noon for the iPad Pro. However, the Apple Pencil and the Apple Smart Keyboard, yeah, we will not see those until at least the 19th. I did pay the extra $20 for expedited shipping. And here's a little tip. If you pick expedited shipping for the iPad, Select it for the Apple Pencil and Smart Keyboard as well. It actually defaults to normal shipping, um, as it does not actually raise the $20 added charge. Total cost for all of this was a tad under $1,500 at $1,493.10 US. That is with tax and shipping. I will put an unboxing video for the iPad Pro before the next episode. Keep checking the TI app for that. 
and I did send out a push notification as soon as it was available and my order was done. And I posted in the TII Google Plus community as soon as I had sent out the push. So hopefully you will you have seen those and you were able to get your order in. FYI, a little correction on the last episode, I said the smart keyboard was $129. We should be so lucky. It is actually $169. Apple Pencil is $99. And the iPad Pro is either $799 for 32 Wi-Fi only. Avoid that. Or $949 for the 128 gig Wi-Fi only version. Or $10,079 for the 128 gig Wi-Fi and cellular version. Again, those are all US prices. And that latter one is the one I went with. I look forward to talking about it more on the next episode. In the meantime, if you did order one as well, please call in with your reviews, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or record those reviews and email them to me at todayinios at gmail.com. I probably have the next episode up about a week from now, probably Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. Hi, Rob. This is James in New Jersey. I wanted to tell you about my iPad Pro buying experience. I set my watch for 3 a.m. Eastern and uh, was up and online a few minutes after that. And it still said it was available in November. So, and I had expected the store to be closed while they were updating it. So I figured it was going to be the 8.45 in the morning time. But before I went back to bed, I checked again. And there it was, available to be ordered. I ordered a uh, Space Gray 128 gig, which is too small, with cellular. And it said I could pick it up at my local store today. So um, that and the smart cover were available in the store, but the pen, it said, was shipping in one to two weeks, and the keyboard in five to seven business days. So those are being shipped to me. Um, I thought maybe this could turn out to be a bug, but uh, I have gotten an email from them saying it's ready to be picked up. So it looks like I will have an iPad Pro on Wednesday. I think maybe they're trying to beat uh, Sam's Club members to uh, be the first people to get them. Just thought I'd fill you in. If there's anything goes awry and I don't get it, I will let you know. Thank you. Thanks, James. I did not even think of checking the pickup option. Oh, hopefully they ship sooner for me, but I somehow doubt it. I will likely have at least six long days with a naked iPad Pro. I just re-looked at my order, and it says the iPad Pencil and Smart Keyboard deliver between the 19th and the 23rd. So I could be naked for 10 days, or well, my iPad Pro could be naked for 10 days, that is. Which made me think, would I feel more comfortable walking down the street holding my new iPad Pro with a case on it while I'm naked, or the other way around? And honestly, the thought of walking with the iPad Pro naked gives me more anxiety. But then I played rugby, so I still have some Zulu Warrior left of me. Into the email bag we go. Hi Rob, I'm lucky enough that I'm pretty sure my employer will buy me an iPad Pro. I am the Paralympic archery coach for Great Britain, and the iPad is perfect for my needs. Other people in my department have just been kitted out with the new Dell laptops, and I politely said thanks, but no thanks, knowing the iPad Pro was soon to be released. Not only is the iPad totally suited to coaching life outside in the field, video editing and analyzing, but also the iPad Pro will, can, will cost substantially less than the Dell, even with the addition of the keyboard, case, and pencil. I truly have been post-PC for three years now, and the introduction of the iPad Pro only makes it more likely I will never go back. How many other listeners are totally post-PC? Love the show. Regards, Mike from Telford in England, archery, GP, Paralympic coach. All right, now, I could not leave that email there. So I asked Mike, what are some of the features he is looking forward to with the iPad Pro? Here was his response. Hi Rob, 
I guess the feature I'm most looking forward to is simply more screen space, especially for the side-by-side video and photo analysis. For example, when we are looking at a before and after photo of athletes' techniques change, currently for this, I would often use the Apple TV to get the images onto a, a bigger or the biggest screen. Now, I think more often than not, I will be able to do the work on the iPad Pro out in the field in the training sessions and not have to wait until after. Also, every couple of weeks, I'll have a full day at my desk answering emails and writing reports for nine hours. Even though I love my touchscreen keyboard, I have a sneaking suspicion that I will be faster on a physical keyboard case. Time will tell. Along with the Apple Watch, I think the iPad Pro will be a common sight at international archery events this summer leading to the Rio games. Regards, Mike. Well, thanks, Mike. Some other feedback with regards to the iPad Pro. This from Stephen Williams, and he said, quote, So if I want an iPad Pro, it's going to cost me almost as much as a MacBook Air. think I'm going to wait for the next-gen iPad Air as the Pro's price is simply too high for me, unquote. From Fasil Kailani, said, quote, I have mixed feelings toward the iPad Pro. I kind of like the bigger screen, but I believe it's big, too big to carry, plus the, the price tag, and it's OS, not Mac OS. Uh, it's just iOS, unquote. And then Michael Polinski said, quote, when I heard the iPad Pro was as heavy as original iPad, that turned me off right away, unquote. So too big, too heavy, too expensive is the common refrain from the con side, a legitimate refrain for the most. Again, call in or email in your thoughts, especially if you purchased one. I will say this, without a doubt, this is the most expensive iOS device ever, much more, over 50% more than the previous most expensive iOS device when you include the pencil and the keyboard. So it is going to be for a much smaller segment of the audience and user base out there. That said, so far I've been very, very surprised by the low number of replies from people saying they purchased one. Maybe that will change, but if these first 10 hours of availability are any indication compared to past launches, Mm, shortages are not something you need to worry about this time around. That is all unscientific and just based on how it feels this time versus past launches when I look at voicemail feedback and email feedback and posts in the Google Plus community or lack thereof. Once again, just a reminder, if you haven't already ordered one, you may want to go online and if you're planning to order one and see about availability of in-store pickup. That might be an option to get it for you on Thursday. Today's sponsor is the official partner for the Movember Foundation. Yup, of course, that is Harry's. Harry's will be donating money to and helping raise awareness for men's health. If you're not familiar with Movember, it is where you grow or shave down to a mustache. Harry's has always been a company with a social mission, a company you could always feel good about. And in Movember, that really is a month in which that mission to care and help really comes forward. But you know what? Good intentions also require a good product to make it all work. And Harry's goes above and beyond there with a great product. The best razor I have ever used, period. The best shave gel and the best aftershave lotion. I love me my Harry's products. That is not in the talking points. That is from the heart. I recommend Harry's all the time. Being how I shave my head, bald people are now asking me quite often how I shave my head and how I get it so nice and smooth and shiny. 
Harry's, H-A-R-R-Y-S.com. Promo code T-I-I is what I tell them and save $5. That's my response. And when I go out and I speak, I'll always slip in a little Harry's uh, ping there and say, hey, look, you know, my Harry's shaving head. I was at Walgreens yesterday trying to find a shower gel made from the same great type ingredients as Harry's shave gel is used, or at least, you know, something similar. And I mean, if I'm going to care enough not to put the chemicals on my face and my head, I thought some other parts of me deserved the same consideration. I spent well over 15 minutes reading ingredients on these body washes. It was really depressing. Nothing, and I mean nothing, matched the natural ingredients you will find in Harry's products. They either had all these uh, chemical blue this, yellow that, or they had sulfates. Hey, Harry's. I want a shower gel from you guys. Something for the neck, from the neck down, please. Just, just a hint if you're listening to this. One of the reasons I am so loyal as a Harry's customer is because I know Harry's cares about what they provide to you. They care so much they even purchased the blade factory for their razors. The blades are kind of important. And this German blade factory that they purchased started almost 100 years ago. So they know a thing or two about making blades. This is why you can get the best shave at the best price. They are vertically integrated. And the best part of all of this, Harry makes it so easy to get started. For just $15, you get the starter kit. That includes the nice, sturdy razor handle, three blades, and your choice of the shaving cream or the foaming shave gel. I recommend the shave gel. And if you use the promo code TII, you get $5 off. That's right. For $10, you get all that, and you get it delivered to your door Shipping is included or free, however you want to look at it. Again, go to harrys.com, that's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com, and use coupon code TII to save $5 off your first purchase. Thanks, Harry, for supporting the show, and more importantly, thanks for supporting Movember. Hey, Rob, this is Pauline from Oklahoma. In episode 371, you had a caller who needed to transfer voicemails to his computer. There's a program called iMazing. I-M-A-Z-I-N-G dot com. It'll do exactly that. Transfers everything. It's wonderful. Thanks. And to back that up, hi, Rob. In regards to the listener wanting to save his mom's voicemails to his computer, I use iMazing by Digital DNA. It is used. It used to be called DiscAid. It does a boatload of other features as well. Regards, Richard from Atlanta. Thanks, Richard and Pauline. We also had this email sent in. Hi, Rob. My condolences to Richard B. for the loss of his mother. He asked for a way to store his voicemails in iOS. When you open up voicemails now in iOS 9 and select one, a share button is displayed. Among others, you are offered to share via email or store as a voice recording, which can then be synced to iTunes. Hope this helps. Kind regards from Berlin, Germany, Boris. And then, hey, Rob. You had a listener in item 371 who wrote in asking how he could transfer his voicemails to his computer. I just noticed in iOS 9 and later there is finally an option inside each voicemail on the top right to send the voicemail via text message, email, and other options including save to Dropbox. So he could go through the voicemails and send the ones he wants to keep for himself via email and detach them um, to his computer or just save them right to Dropbox. Hope that helps. Regards, Eric B. And I also received a similar email from Brenton and a few others. So folks, thank you all for the heads up that now in iOS 9, finally, you can export voicemail messages really, really easy. 
Again, just go to the visual voicemail. You'll see the little box with the arrow out, tap on it, and then choose the option you want via email or Dropbox or whatever it is that you want to do to get it out. But th thankfully, it's there now, and it's easy to get voicemails finally off your iPhone. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. After I listened to episode 371, I downloaded the Apple Watch app restrictions that was mentioned. After I heard the dev was giving it away for free for a limited time, let me tell you, it rocks. I used it to save instructions that you gave at the end of the episode on how to record calls from my iPhone using freeconferencecalling.com. Now I have the instructions at hand, or rather at wrist, when I need to remember them and how to use them. Thanks to both you and the Restrictions dev, I strongly urge TII listeners to grab this app for free immediately. Thanks for all you always teach us and how you make our iOS device more functional. Regards, Dr. John M. Well, thanks, Dr. John. And folks, you can look for the link for Restrictions in the show notes for episode 371 and 372. Hey Rob, it's Ben from Montreal, Canada. One of your listeners, Robert B, was asking you how he could download his voice memos from his iPhone to his computer, I think. Uh, I do it very often and I have a way for him, I would say two ways he can do. First, uh, first his easiest way would be to sync his device through iTunes on his computer. Once the device has been synced, uh, he goes on the computer in iTunes, he click on the far left, the music icon. So you just click on that little music icon. He will have all the music in his computer. Now he has to go on the far right, still in iTunes, far right. There's a little toggle switch which you can choose songs, album, artist. Mine is on genre. The reason why you choose Genera is going to be much easier to find all your voice memos in one place. Now, in the left, uh, there's uh, the left panel where you see all the Genera. Now, scroll down to Voice Memo. And from there, you will see all your voice memos you have synced from the past and all the recent ones. That's the first way to have access to your voice memos. Second way would be to send himself the voice memo from his iOS device to his email. So you just have to click on the voice memo it's itself and click on that little square box and choose uh, email. So he will email it to himself or to whoever he wants to. And that's it, pretty much. All right, anyway, thank you very much. Have a good evening. Hey Rob, it's Dave in San Jose. Regarding the listener who wants to know how to back up his voicemail, uh, if you're in Visual Voicemail and you tap on a message to expand the controls, there's now a share button there. And if you tap that, you can either text it or email it, or you can also save it to Dropbox and you can send it to other apps that accept sound files. So it's now possible to get those messages out of your voicemail and in somewhere else. Hope that helps. Thanks. Take care, Rob. Bye. We are now over 2,500 members in our Google Plus community and growing. Thanks to everyone that has joined, and thanks for the great posts. One new post in the Google Plus community that went up since the last episode came in from Steve and Watley, who posted the following question, quote, is there a way to remove apps from the new iOS 9 sidebar? As more and more apps are being updated, the longer or taller actually the list gets, Sorry, but I don't need apps like Air Coaster to be in the sidebar. 
it, which are being nice if the most frequently used sidebar apps are sorted towards the bottom, unquote. First, there were questions about what is said sidebar, and it is actually called slide over. And as Barry Smitherman said, quote, it is only on iPads. You pull the screen from the right edge and you get a sidebar to open specific apps without leaving your main app. Not true multitasking, but it's the best we have with the iPad Air and older, unquote. And we should point out SlideOver is not supported by all iPads on iOS 9. The ones that do support SlideOver are iPad Mini 2 and newer, iPad Air and newer, and iPad Pro. So nope, my third gen iPad does not support it, nor does the iPad fourth gen or the original iPad mini. Since the last episode, there were dozens and dozens and dozens of new posts and comments in the TII Google Plus community, which is an Android fanboys free zone and spammer free zone. Yep, it's the most civil Google Plus community covering iOS. Folks, go to todayinios.com slash community to join in. And thanks to all 2,500 plus of you already in the community and contributing. Also from the Google Plus community were these posts with regards to the last episode from Wayne Henderson. Excellent episode, Rob. I still can't wait to get the new Apple TV soon. From Lawrence McFarland. Funny, the more I heard about the Apple TV in this episode, the more I was impressed by my Roku, which, by the way, can be remotely controlled with an app on my iPhone. From Myron Euchre. Screenshots may be difficult, but it seems to be not as difficult to record video from Apple TV 4. Still needs a Mac and USB-C cable. From Amico Friend. I haven't finished listening yet, but I find enter entering passwords or searching is easier with my Nimbus controller. And then from Francisco Tapia. Roku has gotten better. You have, you have your YouTube app and more recently the Plex player, but you don't have AirPlay, so I can't simply send my current playlist or podcast to Roku to listen. I also can't stream the WWDC videos or other media I easily have available to me on my iOS 9.x devices. And from Vassal Kalani, I have tried all other competitor devices out there and I can tell you that they are not worth a penny. It's correct that Apple TV 4 is not what we have expected, but it's still a lot better than any other device out there. This is the exact same case whenever people compare iPhones to some other bad Android phones out there. Whatever they do, they will never come close to an iPhone's performance. Unquote. Again, thanks to everyone that contributes into the TII Google Plus community. There's an article that came out back in September I've been holding on to. It's titled, Apple Pencil Could Be a Big Hit or the Next Ping. This article was from Apple World. It points out, and accurately so, that when Steve Jobs announced the iPhone back in 2007, almost nine years ago, he asked the audience, who wants a stylus? Then he answered, nobody wants a stylus, so let us not use a stylus. The author of the article said, quote, my prognosis, it will be a hit in the enterprise and creative pro markets, but of little interest for general consumers, unquote. So now Apple sits a week and a day away from releasing a $99 stylus. And who wants it? Well, I do. Why? Many reasons, but one of the key ones, actually the key one, my youngest son is not just profoundly dyslexic or, quote, the most severe I have ever tested, unquote, from Children's Mercy Hospital in Kansas City. Not what you want to hear, but he also has dysgraphia. 
I am hoping and praying there will be some apps that offer up help for him to be able to write. To me, that is what the iPad Pro holds out hope for. And if the Apple Pencil is half of what it seems to be, then even at $1,500 for just the Apple Pencil, that would have been well worth it for me. I know a lot of people talk about the Apple Pencil for artists, or as that article mentions, enterprise. But to me, I see educational potential to be the most appealing. And once apps are specifically written for the Apple Pencil and the iPad Pro, and can measure force and accurate head placement of the pencil, then you'll have something special, and in some cases, maybe even life-changing. If anyone listening develops anything specifically around this, please let me know. And you will get so much love on this show, you will need to send me a restraining order to stop talking about you and your apps. That said, if anyone has used any good dysgraphia apps, please let me know, or any apps on the iPad that help kids learn to write, even for cursive, as I'm sure my older son would appreciate that help as well. I will be doing some searching on this, and I am sure I'll be reporting on this in the future. For the first time in a while, Apple stocks rose in the weeks following their quarterly report. As is normal, Apple beat their projections and analysts' guesses. A big reason for the slight rise in stock price was that Tim Cook said iPhone sales would rise for their fiscal 2016 year. That caused many of the analysts to raise their price targets. Uncle Gene Munster raised his price target to $179, up from $172. Walter Pycheck from BTIG has a target of $160. Katie Huberty from Morgan Stanley, typically a bear on Apple, um, or semi-bear, has a target of $152. Mark Moskowitz from Barclays raised his target to $155 from $150. And then in the last few days, some, quote, checks in the supply chain, unquote, are causing some bears to scream, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. A lot of that from a report from Kolbinder Garcha at Credit Suisse that reported Apple has lowered its component orders by as much as 10% according to, quote, our teams in Asia, unquote. Here's the issue. Traditionally, when these reports come out about supply chain checks, they have been wrong, usually dead wrong. First, suppliers can't talk about Apple at all. And second, a lot of time when suppliers are missing their estimates, it later on was not attributed to Apple reductions, but to other vendor reductions. Then you have this from Brian White, who said his monitoring of component companies shows a weaker than average seasonality overall. But when looking at those for Apple suppliers, they were delivering better than seasonal performance. In other words, the supply chain not supplying to Apple is seeing a slowdown, and those supplying to Apple are seeing an increase. Daniel Ives essentially called those reporting a slowdown in the supply chain for Apple as yelling fire in a crowded theater. And what is funny or sad or even culpable is even Credit Suisse, who is screaming the house is on fire and the sky is falling, is saying Apple will outperform. I'm not saying they would say bad things hoping for the price to fall so they can jump in and buy low, but, well, anyway, I think Horace Dudu of Asimco said it best when referring to earlier in this year when Apple prices dipped, quote, Wall Street was having a huge Apple shares, everything must go sale, and Apple was there with $14 billion cash in hand. Long-term shareholders will be rewarded, 
quarters are not important, unquote. Buy Apple for the longer term, folks. Don't worry about the short term movement, especially when it comes from, quote, supply chain checks, unquote, which is, well, as reliable as Digitimes and BGR. This next one we get a heads up from Ron Luckfor in Ohio, and it is per the article titled iPhone 7 Rumors Point to Upcoming Panic Mode and Synaptic Screens. Essentially, Apple has a patent they filed, which in a nutshell looks at the finger which you use to unlock your device, and if you pick a specific finger, it will trigger a panic mode alarm. So maybe you train it for your thumbs and pointer fingers is normal unlock, but for the middle finger on your non-dominant hand, if unlocked with that finger, triggers a panic or emergency mode, which might mean it immediately transmits an alert to authorities, records photos and videos, and grabs audio, plus sends out a beacon signaling your location to designated parties. Really, that seems like something that could easily be implemented. Maybe even Apple could do to add some um, predefined instructions if you open it with different fingers, like left thumb, it opens directly to camera mode, or right thumb opens up to email or something like that. I mean, why stop with just panic mode? Add in some user-defined modes as well. The other rumor about the iPhone 7 is that there will be a 4-inch version, which is really not a stretch. Actually, I would be shocked if the what launches when the iPhone launches that there is not a 4-inch iPhone in the mix. From the email bag, hi Rob, I've seen some rumors on the web about a smaller option iPhone when the 7 comes out as someone who actually enjoys using Twitter with one hand, listening to music with my 5S in my normal size pocket, and laughing out loud at teenage girls holding up their iPhone 6 Plus to their faces with both hands. This sounds like an option for me. Love the show. Thanks Rob. Regards, Eric. Well, thanks, Eric. And as I've said in the past on the show, my wife has no desire at all for anything larger than the 5S. She wants the smaller size iPhone and many others I've heard from do as well. I really hope we see three sizes, 4 inch, 4.7, and 5.5 inches when the iPhone 7 launches next year. I know one of the rumors even had a 4 inch iPhone launching in Q1 of 2016. I would guess that was someone fishing with link bait, just saying, which is why I'm not going to link to that article. But speculating three sizes for the iPhone 7, that to me is a safe and conservative speculation. Speaking of speculating, here is a post in the Google Plus community from Brendan Finnerty. Quote, is it too early to speculate on iOS 10? Oh well, here is the major feature updates that I'm guessing or hoping will arrive. The rumored Apple search engine is introduced, baked into Spotlight, heavy Siri integration, social features added in, one-touch features for directions, check-in, and Yelp reviews, an update to the FaceTime app, group chat, record the chat option, and save to iCloud, filters and emoji support, FaceTime app available for Android, and Apple TV AirPlay option. Notifications revamped, um, smart notifications across all devices, based on activity and location and receive only the most important notifications at that time and notification banner, which scrolls along the bottom or the side of the screen and add one uh, login, uh, no more individual passwords per app, just touch ID gets you into all, unquote. Well, thanks, Brendan, for those uh, ideas. And nope, it's not too early to speculate on iOS 10. Think about it. iOS 9 was announced in June, so we're 
almost halfway through the uh, life cycle of iOS 9 before we get to iOS 10. So yeah, start speculating on iOS 10. Uh, we will be, I'm sure we're going to be doing a lot more of it come the new year uh, because then things are going to slow down right now. We still have some fun to talk about new products, but uh, yeah, it's never too soon to talk about iOS 10 now that iOS 9 is launched. Rob, Thomas from Malibu. Just wanted to call and uh, congratulate you on the voice of wilderness uh, that you've been. Uh, heard today Leo Laporte, a longtime Android fanboy, finally admitting on the air on his show that Android has security issues and people who buy older Android phones to replace their old uh, flip phones are making a mistake and they should go get an iPhone because the security software is updated compared to the two-year-old or two-generations-old Android phone. All I can say is, right on, Rob. Keep preaching. Bye-bye. Hi, Rob. One thing almost never reported in any review of the Apple TV is that Siri does not work if you are outside the eight blessed countries, and that also the universal search doesn't work. I live in Belgium, so I cannot use voice as search, but even if I input letter by letter the name of a movie or TV series, it only returns iTunes hits. I have Netflix app installed and a monthly subscription, but the search doesn't return any Netflix hits. As a well-known workaround is putting the iTunes store to US. In Siri, the universal search is then unlocked and the search does then return Netflix hits. As Dutch is very, very small language, I think it'll take years before I will be able to use Siri and universal search in my native language. Also very strange, we don't have the recent added categories and top apps in the Belgian store, so finding new apps is almost impossible. Again, putting the store in USA mode uh, solves this. I don't have a US uh, iTunes account and don't think I can legally obtain one. Any thoughts about this? Long-time listener, first-time emailer, regards, Renat. Uh, hi, Renat, and I'm sorry if I mutilated your name there. I know back in the day, you could get a gift card and then set up an iTunes account being a US one from anywhere in the world, but I'm not sure if that is still possible. Essentially, it worked like this. And again, this used to work regardless of which country you were in. First, you log out of your iTunes account. Then you choose the US iTunes store. Do not create an account yet. Browse around, find an app you want to download. At that point, you'll be prompted to log in or create a new account. Obviously, choose create new account. Fill in your email address and your password and security question. Then you are asked for a credit card. If you chose a free app to download, simply choose none and you are good to go. If you chose a paid one, then you can enter an iTunes gift card um, code for credit. Again, not sure if this still works. It was something I dug up from show notes back in 2009 and then again in 2011. Good luck with that. Back to Imabeg. Hi, Rob. How does Apple keep skipping over the obvious? It's really silly to set up an iPad with the keyboard, almost turning it into a laptop, but then still have to poke the screen from time to time. Seriously, no mouse or trackpad support still? Seriously? Regards, Jeff W. Jeff, maybe iOS 10. We can only cross our fingers and hope. Hey, Rob. This is Chris from Santa Barbara, and um, hello to you and the listeners. I just wanted to throw in my two cents on the Apple TV like you, I've been waiting for this device for several years, and um, you've already pointed out all of its major flaws, but I've been noticing that with the audio, have you noticed that when you go to play something, there's always like a slight delay? 
And I've tested this over several apps, and it's just really weird. Also, the remote, geez, the remote is so ridiculous. I keep getting it, like, turned around, so I literally had to put a sticker on it so I can tell the top from the bottom. That's just my two cents. All right, love the show. Thanks a lot. Bye. Chris, thanks for the feedback. And per your comments, one, no, I didn't notice anything with an audio delay. I, I went even back and checked, but I haven't noticed anything there. Two, you are 100% dead on on the remote. The, the problem with the new remote is it's symmetrical. It's too symmetrical. Even in daylight, it's hard to tell which one is facing because on the one side, you have the little black little dot for the IR. And then on the other side of it, you've got the port for the lightning and they look the same. And then the, the buttons are symmetrical and centered. So it's hard to tell which is front and which is back. So I think I'm going to have to do what you did. I'm going to take and put a piece of tape on the bottom part of it where there's not the trackpad or something down there just because I'm getting the same problem. It seems like even though you have a 50-50 chance of getting it right, I seem to 75% of the time to get the remote backwards. And it's, uh, it is kind of annoying. Yeah, symmetrical is pretty, but also really confusing. There's a good Kickstarter project for someone out there, figuring out a way to get some sort of case or covering for the Apple remote, or Siri remote, I should say, that you always know which way is forward. Maybe even throw in a way to light up the front of the Siri remote so you can see what the buttons are doing or where they are located. So there, you solve two problems at once. One, lighting it up so you can see the buttons, and two, making sure you always know which way is forward. So there, there's a good Kickstarter project. Someone go out and make a bunch of money and, and send me a free one when you do that. This week for a Kickstarter project, since we're talking Kickstarter, we have the ProShot case, or as the title is fully called, turn your iPhone 6 slash 6S into a GoPro with the ProShot case. This one had a goal of 25K and they've already raised over 33K and have until December 3rd at 8.01 a.m. Central Time for you to fund this additionally. The description on this is, quote, ProShot, one word, is a waterproof case that protects your iPhone 6 6S down to 90 feet below water and can be mounted on almost any surface. Pricing on this is $89 while units last at that price, or $99 when they run out of that early bird offer. That gets you the ProShot case, deep dive lid, good down to 90 feet, the touchscreen lid, waterproof down to six feet, the wide angle lens and flat lens. For 129, you get some more items, including extendable pole mount and pro shot chest mount. And there's another version at 199 with even more items you get thrown in there. If you are a GoPro type user, but really want your iPhone 6 or 6S to be the camera you're using instead, well, this might be the case system you are looking for. Search for ProShot, one word, at kickstarter.com. Hi Rob, I just got my new Apple TV like you. I'm enjoying it, but having frustrations with my inability to pair my iPhones. I have kids about your age and would like to start playing games with them. What remote do you use? Does it work well? Is there a website that lists Apple certified controllers? Regards, Mitch. Well, hi Mitch. I had a few people ask about this, which means I did a bad job going over this on the past episodes. I purchased the Apple, from the Apple Store the Steel Series Nimbus Wireless Gaming Controller. It's $49.95. Link in the show notes for this. Again, that's Steel Series Nimbus Wireless Gaming Controller. Why do I like this? 
For one thing, this really is a made-for-iDevices um, remote. And even it charges via a lightning port. So the same cord you're going to use to charge your Siri remote, you can then use to charge your Nimbus remote. Okay, so that's nice. What is really great is the performance. There's no lag, which is really, really kind of important in a game controller. I mean, unless you are looking for an excuse for poor gameplay, that is. But if you really want to actually play well, you want a game controller with no lag, and this one is it. It can be set up as one of four controllers in multiplayer games. Or put another way, it supports being one of four. If Apple TV supports four different controllers at some point is a debate I'm still looking to confirm, but if you did buy four of these, each could be a different player. However, most from what I've read right now says, at least, Apple TV will only support two MFI made for iPhone or iOS device game controllers and one Siri remote for a total of three players. So at least at this point, it does not make sense to buy more than two of the controllers Maybe in the future update of tvOS, Apple will up it to four controllers and a Siri remote, or at least four controllers with the Siri remote. But since the MFI controllers, at least from the Nimbus, support four different players, it would be nice to see Apple do the same. Plus, that would let the whole family play at once, at least for my family. Hey, Rob, it's Dave in San Jose. Just wanted to respond to your message about the Apple TV fourth generation and the difficulty in entering long text using the remote control. Um, if you go to settings, general, and Bluetooth, you can pair a Bluetooth keyboard with your Apple TV. Uh, at least you could on the second generation, third generation units. I imagine you still can on the fourth too. I don't know why they would remove that. It's very useful. Um, I have an old ZagMate Bluetooth keyboard that I used for my original iPad, and of course it's now too big for the iPad mini I currently use, so I've delegated that to be my, uh, my Apple TV keyboard, and it works very well, so it's very easy to import uh, input text using the keyboard, and it pairs very quickly. I don't even have to leave the keyboard on all the time, just when I need dinner text. I turn on the keyboard, it pairs very fast, I enter the text, and it's done. I uh, hope that helps, and you can get some really uh, low-cost keyboards, Bluetooth keyboards on Amazon for like 20 bucks, so, and they work pretty well too. Sometimes the keyboards layout is a little different because they're usually made in China, but overall for 20 bucks, you know, you can't really go wrong. So, hope that helps, Rob. Take care. Bye. Dave, you would have thought the Bluetooth keyboards would have worked with the Apple TV 4th Gen, just like we would have thought the remote app would work with the Apple TV 4th Gen. But unfortunately, neither is the case. As I mentioned earlier in the show, I did try it with a couple different Bluetooth keyboards, including an Apple Bluetooth keyboard and some th third-party ones, and none of them would work with the Apple TV 4th Gen. So sadly, right now, it's not supporting it why in the world that didn't have support at launch? Uh, that's a head-scratcher. Back to the email bag. Hey, Rob, not sure these guys, how these guys figured this out, but here is a categorized list of all available Apple TV apps updated daily. Regards, Eric B. And thanks, Eric, for the link, which, folks, you can find by searching for Apple TV apps top list slide to play in the show notes for episode 372 at todayandios.com. 
And it's, it's a nicer way to search through the list of Apple TV apps rather than on the Apple TV itself. I like the most recent feature, which is nice to see what are some of the new game apps. Um, but you can also search uh, most recent apps in categories or drill down into specific categories like games or games-kids or games-action. So you can even get into subcategories for games. So that's nice. So if you are looking to try to just you know browse what's out there, um, you can do that by going again to um, slide to, well, just look for the link, Apple TV apps, top list, slide to play in the show notes for episode 372. Hello, Rob. About Apple Pay coming to Canada, I don't think they'll cause any waves at all because they're tying up with an American Express. And uh, I don't know if anybody has an American Express card up here anymore. And besides, most merchants don't accept American Express because they have a habit of paying their merchants or reimbursing the merchants like about every 90 days. So uh, Apple Pay won't uh, cause any big waves up here at all. But Hi, Rob. This is uh, Yaron calling from Canada. I uh, just wanted to share a little frustration. Uh, I've been waiting for such a long time for Apple Pay to come to Canada. And uh, I heard Tim Cook uh, announce, uh, like, I think over a week ago, that it's coming to Canada with American Express. I was really, really disappointed. Uh, and I've been reading all the uh, articles online saying that the deal hasn't gone through with all the Canadian banks. Uh, it's just like so frustrating. I mean, you have the... I have the the watch and the and the iPhone, and I still uh, can't use Apple Pay up here in Canada. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy because we're just across the border from you guys. Anyway, just wanted to share my thoughts. Uh, love the show. Uh, been listening for uh, I think uh, over two years now. I uh, really appreciate appreciate what you do for us. That's about it. If you have any news about Apple Pay, maybe you know something that I don't know. Maybe it, it's still coming to Canada. Uh, MasterCard or Visa, please, uh, if you can let us know. Thank you. Thanks again, Rob. Good day. Gentlemen, thanks for your feedback. At this point, I really don't know anything more about what's going on with Apple Pay beyond what Apple and Tim Cook have said. Hopefully, there'll be more information here soon, and we'll talk about it when it officially launches and when Apple puts out some more info on that. But yeah, I guess you know it's hard for them. They have to get all the agreements with the banks so it's not that Apple doesn't want it. I mean, Apple would love to have Apple Pay rolled out in every country around the world, but the banks in different countries, they're going to push back, and everybody tries to get the best terms for themselves. And in the United States, Apple had the clout and was able to do it early on, and they've been able to get it in a couple other countries now. But we'll see. We'll see what happens with uh, Apple Pay in Canada here shortly. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. Are you or your listeners aware of an iOS app that can manage setting up forwarding rules for text messages? Regards, Ethan, Troy, Michigan, listener from the beginning. I'm going to throw that one out to the audience. Folks, if you can help Troy, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or shoot an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Hi, Rob. I'm looking for a good ad blocker for my iOS 9, iPhone 5, but I couldn't find any. Can you or your listeners help me out with this? By the way, my iPhone is on 9.0.2 and jailbroken. Thanks and love the show, Alon from Israel. Hi, Alon. From what I understand, you cannot get ad blockers for iPhone 5 or older. So it starts with the 5S and earlier is where the ad blockers kick in. So unfortunately, I don't think you're going to be able to find any ad blockers that are supported in iOS 9 because they don't support for the iPhone 5 and earlier. 
And Alon, just to confirm on that, I did go into the App Store and I looked at about a dozen different ad blockers from one blocker on up, and all of them said iPhone 5S or newer. So Rob, I moved up to an iPhone 6S, and for some reason, I can't get the camera app, Apple's, to keep HDR on. I've been to the Apple Store and nobody there can make it stick either. Any suggestions? Gary in Boise. Well, I'm going to send this one out to the audience. Has anyone with an iPhone 6S had this issue where HDR will not stay on? If you've had this issue and you have a fix, let us know. Give us a call. Shoot us an email. Hey, Rob. This is Bob in Sparkbrook, South Carolina. I notice you don't talk a lot about jailbreaks anymore, not as much as you used to things. Uh, maybe your imagination, but I, I love my jailbroken phone, and uh, especially things like the 5 Icon Dock and uh, barrel and uh, things like uh, lift lock, things like that. But I had one app that I have to have. I'm not going to name it, but uh, it requires that your phone not be jailbroken. And for a long time, there was a workaround, a jailbreak workaround for it. But now, apparently, they've done some way they're uh, checking for a jailbroken phone over the net. And it cannot be, apparently, it cannot be hacked. You know, uh, have you heard anything about this, about how they can check for jailbreaks over the net and uh, prevent uh, being hacked? But I sure would appreciate an answer and, and some help with that. Uh, I've had to uh, go to, uh, to 9.1 uh, so I could use this one app. Uh, but I sure do miss my jailbreak. Thanks a lot, Rob. Love the show. Take care. Hi, Bob. Thanks for the feedback. And you're right, this time of the year, I usually don't talk much about jailbreaking. I, usually from September, October, November, even into December, we, we don't talk much about it. Wherever there's some breaking news, I'll, I'll present it. And it's usually in January or late December that we start talking about jailbreaking again. Uh, it's just a lot of news this time of year. And a lot of times after the new iOS updates come out, jailbreaks get broken and then we wait for the new jailbreaks to come out and, and update. But there's been a little bit of news. I'll have a little bit here in a second. Um, per your question about the app and that, I mean, did you try XCon? XCon is the app that normally works to get around uh, apps that check for jailbreaks. So I don't know if you tried XCon to see if that worked or not. Yeah, I can't imagine how it would, they'd be doing it on the net and getting around that. But uh, at least in the past, XCon worked. So um, if anyone else out there has any recommendations for Bob on this, please let us know. A startup called Zerodium, I guess that's how you pronounce it, offered a $1 million bounty if someone could figure out a hack for the iPhone where that exploit could be done via the browser. The requirements were the remote exploit had to work on a new iPhone or iPad running the latest version of iOS and would allow the attacker to install any app they wanted with full privileges. It also had to come via Safari, Chrome, a text, or a multi-message. And there was actually a winner. The winning team submitted the exploit just a few hours before the expiration of the contest, which was in late October. The exploits found, as it required multiple exploits to do this, come via the Safari and Chrome browsers. Sadly, for those hoping for a jailbreak me like jailbreak because of this news, which was the last browser-based jailbreak back in 2011, yeah, keep hoping because it does not sound like they, the company that put up the money, has any plans to do jailbreaking. They are using the info for their security company and their clients who include major corporations in defense, technology, and finance, 
looking for protection from zero-day attacks, or maybe even to create their own. So essentially, they will keep the hack info private and away from Apple, so they can say to their clients, hey, this hack exists, so you should pay us to put in a patch to protect your employees' data. Seems to me a little bit like they're saying, hey, we know which baby strollers have a fatal design flaw, and we'll tell you which ones to buy for your kids to keep them safe, but we're not going to tell anybody else. Kind of like that. Anyway, expect Apple to be working to fix this quickly, once they find it, that is. Hello Rob, it's Daniel from Whizbeach, Cambridgeshire. I went into the Apple store in Cambridge and I want to just share a little reason as to why I didn't make a purchase. So, with regards to the new Apple TV, I got a chance to play with it and I thought, this is, this is fairly nice. I thought, yeah, okay, I like, the, I like the new layout, I like the feel of the controller, things were going well. A very pleasant chap appeared at my right-hand shoulder and I said, I'd like some information, please. And he said, what can I help you with? I said, well, I've just noticed something. Alto's Adventure, a very popular game on the iOS, and I have it, and it cost me 79p, I think. And I said to him, I'm at about level 60. I've invested about three hours into it. I said, I presume that my existing apps will sync with the Apple TV, won't they? And he said, hold on a minute. And then he tapped away at his computer next to me and he had a little look and he said, he doesn't think so. And I said, well, hold on a minute. I said, what do you mean you don't think so? He said, well, it looks like you're going to have to buy it again at £2.99. And I was like, hmm. So let's get this straight. I've bought the app at 79p. This app here is just a blown up version. It's pretty simple. I've got no idea about technology, but even I know that you can stretch an image to incorporate it into a bigger screen, surely. And you've got to pay £2.99, and you've got to start again at the very start. Bearing in mind, I was level 60. I said, no. I said, thank you very much. And I walked out. So, has anybody else experienced this? And is this putting other people off buying the Apple TV like it did me? Thank you, Rob. I love the show as always. Fantastic. Can't wait for it to drop into my inbox every single week. And uh, as always, <laughs> have a nice day. Daniel, as always, thanks for your feedback, and I hope you're having a nice day as well. Per your comments, this is not an Apple decision. That's an individual developer decision. Apple has made it such that developers can sell one app that works across iPhone, iPad, and Apple TV. So it's up to the developer to decide if they want to charge you again for the Apple TV version or allow you to get the Apple TV version for free since you already purchased the iPhone or iPad version. That's a developer decision, not an Apple decision. Apple lets developers make that, but Apple has made it available for them to choose if they so desire and want to, to support you, the purchaser, with the new version as well. But again, in this case, it sounds like your developer chose to go the route of getting more money. Now, I'm sure it's more than just stretching the screen out, and there's other things, because you have the Siri remote control interaction you have to do, so there's some other things they had to do. So there was work, definitely work involved with them getting the app to work on Apple TV, but again, it was the developer's decision, not Apple's decision, for them to charge you again for that app.
Hi, Rob. This is Sigard from British Columbia, Canada. And I know Sigard, I, I think I ruined your name again. I apologize. I would like to get a selfie stick, he writes, for my wife for Christmas and was wondering if you or your listeners could provide some recommendations. Uh, when I looked on Amazon.ca for a selfie stick, I found more results than you can shake a stick at, pun intended. Of course, it should have some sort of remote shutter functionality, and I see that some see some that have that on the sticky handle, whereas others come with a little remote. Just curious what you and your listeners have bought, liked, or not liked. Regards, Sigurd, Sigurd? I'm sorry, I know you've told me how to pronounce that before. We'll just say S from Canada. So folks, if you have a favorite sticky um, that or selfie stick that you have purchased and used and are using and has a remote, let us know what one of your favorite ones are. I The one I have does not have a remote, and it has a tripod, and that's why I like it, because it has a tripod. But if anyone out there has one that they like, maybe even with a tripod and a remote, let us know. Hey, Rob, Siri can have a selective accent. Hopefully it'll be the same for most recent version of iOS. I think it's more about the voice than the OS, but I'm currently running 9.0.2, and under voice selection, within settings, general, accessibility, speech, voices, English, US, whew, I'm using the Samantha Enhanced Voice. Ensure speak selection is turned on in speech section, and then have Samantha Enhanced speak the following sentence. It's getting late here in Boston. Nothing special, right? Okay, now select and have Samantha speak the following lengthy sentence and see if you notice something different about the pronunciation of a particular word. It's getting late here in Boston and the skies are beginning to clear up. If it's not obvious, slow her speech speed down a bit and try again. I'd love to hear from the programmers about why the different results from different sentences lengths, but I doubt we'll ever know. Uh, for what it's worth, I tried a couple of other enhanced voices, but didn't hear the same pronunciation variances. I also tried a few other large city names that have stereotypical pronunciations by locals, example, Chicago, New York, etc. but to no avail. It looks like Samantha Enhanced only has this one little trick up her sleeve. Regards, Dan O. Well, thanks, Dan, for the heads up on that. Sadly, I doubt we're going to hear back from the devs at Apple about why they did that. But if a little birdie at Apple does want to send in a little anonymous email saying why that is, would love to get that email. Hello, Rob. This is Bob from Babylon, Long Island. I have a question maybe you or your listeners could help me with. I'm trying to find a type of uh, cell phone pouch you know, better than the holsters that come with a lot of the uh, cases for the phone. It has that big clip that you slide through your belt and everything, but the clip digs into your side, especially if you're sitting down, and it's kind of cumbersome. I'm looking for something that, you know, I can either slide a belt through or something that's more low profile that it'll clip onto the belt, but it's not like a leather pouch. Maybe it has a zipper or maybe it has a little Velcro that you can drop your phone in. You don't have to worry about it, you know, getting banged around a little bit, and you don't have to worry about the clip popping off and the bag falling down, but... You know, you wear on your side and it, you know, it's soft and it's a little more flexible. So if you guys have heard or seen anything like that, I would really appreciate it uh, where you found it. I'm also blind, so it's a little harder for me to go out looking. And so 
Again, I'd really appreciate the assistance. Thanks. If anyone can help Bob out, please give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG, or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Thanks to Brian K. for this next Siri question today. Sing me a lullaby. You could try counting electric sheep instead. Sing me a lullaby. 99 bottles of warm milk on the wall. 99 bottles of warm milk. How am I doing? Sing me a lullaby. Hush, little Robert, don't say a word. Sing me a lullaby. Rockabye, baby, on a treetop, when the wind blows. Oh no, this one doesn't end well. Sing me a lullaby. I think my singing voice would actually keep you up. Sing me a lullaby. Lullaby, and good night. Thanks again to Harry's for sponsoring this episode and supporting Movember. Please go to harrys.com now and save $5 off when you enter the code TII with your first purchase. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com and enter the coupon code TII at checkout to save $5 and start shaving better in November. And before we go today, I want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or record your feedback and email to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. Feedback can be a question or comment for something someone said on this episode, or it can be a question or rant you have about something else, an app or product review, good or bad, as long as it's iOS related, it is welcomed. I am always looking for new artwork to feature that you have created on an iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And of course, we are always looking for more music created on an iOS device to play on the show. This is your show, and your feedback is greatly desired. And don't forget to check out our moderated Google Plus community by going to todayinios.com slash community. And finally, there is the TII app, which is free to you. Search for TII in the iTunes App Store. It is the best way to consume the show and get push notifications each time a new episode is released or there's breaking news like an iPad Pro is available for sale. It is fully voiceover friendly, of course. Please go right now and download the TII app, and did I mention it is free? And that, folks, is going to do it for us today. Until the next time, this is your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I.
Hi, Rob. This is Ron from Foster City. Just wanted to say I got the new Apple TV, and I like it very, very much. There are, you know, despite the shortcomings that it has. One thing, though, that I haven't heard anyone mention yet, which bugs me a lot, is when you are navigating on your home screen through the channels, you swipe on the on the pad to the right to move the cursor to the right. And I feel like that's I'm used to with the Mac and um, you know, as my primary computer when swiping that you're moving the page. So in other words, when you swipe to the right, the page would move to the left or vice versa. So you're swiping in the opposite direction as though you're moving the page um, as opposed to moving a cursor. So that really bugs me. And I think it's not consistent throughout the app. So sometimes swiping to the right moves the cursor to the right, and sometimes it moves the content to the right. So hopefully that makes sense. But uh, that's just one comment I wanted to make on the Apple TV. Otherwise, I'm um, very happy with it. I think the updates that are coming in the future will um, allow better search capabilities and things like that and make for a lot happier of a customer base. Love your show. Thanks. Hey, Rob. It's Rob from Hebron, Kentucky. So I went in and returned the Apple TV. Um, the worker asked me what was wrong with it, and I just didn't go into detail. I didn't want to get into my problems with it. There was a lot of people around me that were looking at it and looking to buy it, and I'm, I wasn't trying to say anything bad about it. Um, and she was really pretty, so I wasn't going to uh, get into it. <laughs> anyway, so uh, returning something after I've been anticipating something new from Apple kind of left a hole in my heart, so I uh, upgraded my phone to the iPhone 6S Plus, 64 gig, and I went with the rose gold. But now my my wife is very envious, and emphasis on the wife part. But, yeah, she's uh, she's envious. So I gotta get somehow get her into an upgrade. But I'm loving this phone. Uh, it's the first S model I've, I've owned of an iPhone, um, and I've had iPhones before. But uh, I love it. Still learning all the new features and uh, get used to it. Uh, I love the weight. I like that it weighs a little more than the uh, than my Plus did. Um, sitting on your lap, you can kind of feel that it's there a little more than than before. I, I like the weight, but it's being the same size and then the. You know, the force touch, I'm, I'm loving it. So, anyways, just calling the touch base and let you know about that. All right, have a good day. Hi, Rob. This is Luis from Doha again. I called, a, I think, two months ago concerning the Apple Watch and uh, swimming with it. I uh, just want to let you guys know that uh, I'm still swimming with it almost every day, six to seven times a week. And uh, so far, after this uh, four months, uh, I had no problem whatsoever, so... I cannot still recommend anyone to keep swimming with it, but uh, I'm pretty convinced that the, that the watch is uh, waterproof and uh, not just water-resistant, as Apple say. But uh, this is not what I want to talk about. Actually, I want to take to take a uh, step farther and I take my music to to the exercise, to swimming. So I went ahead and uh, bought a uh, waterproof uh, wireless uh, Bluetooth uh, uh, earbuds. And uh, the one I got was called Pump, and uh, it's made by Blue Ant. And although I knew the Bluetooth and uh, water should not mix, uh, when I hadn't bought it. Uh, so what I did, I transferred uh, the music to the Apple Watch, paired uh, the 
the device with the with the watch and uh, things worked just great. I had all my music, uh, most of it, on my watch, and I could listen through the waterproof uh, uh, earpods. Uh, the thing is, the, at the moment I took for swimming, uh, once you barely touch the water with the watch, the music's gone and starts skipping, and eventually you just lose connection with the with the watch. Uh, I wasn't surprised. I was maybe I was expecting it already. I'm not returning the 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 earpods, but uh, because they're great, uh, they are waterproof and they works great for everything else I do and running and cycling. But uh, well, what to do? Uh, it's still a challenge to take your music to the pool. I thought the watch and these pods would the pods would be the, the a great combination because they they should they work perfectly out of water. But uh, as soon as you touch the water with the watch, the, the connection is gone, so they pretty much become uh, useless. I still recommend the the wireless device. It works great for me. As I said, I'm not returning it, but. Uh, uh, Bringing your music to the pool with the watches is still a no-no. You can swim with the watch, as I said. It's a great fitness track. I use the fitness app to track my, my swimming. The heart rate sensor works fine, and I time the swimming and everything with the watch. But uh, the music, it's a no-no, unfortunately. Uh, maybe if they come up with a new wireless technology that works underwater, that should be great. But uh, for now, we're stuck with the basically mp3 players that are waterproof the watch and the wireless earbuds will not work thanks for all you do and uh, have a great week thank you